Hear me now. Have you ever seen the video of Chet Hanks speaking in Patois? Yeah. <laughs> what do you think is better, that or Brad Pitt speaking in Patois in uh, Meet Joe Black? Brad Pitt. <laughs> Everything want to be iry. I just listened to uh, Colin Hanks yeah. on uh, WTF. The good, the good Hanks. Yeah, and Marin was like, so, uh, like, they're talking about Tom Hanks or whatever, and he's like, and uh, your brother's a, 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 a real interesting character, too, huh? <laughs> Colin Hanks was like, yeah, you know, he's a kind guy at heart. <laughs> <laughs> he responded the way, like, our teachers would respond on our report cards where they would be like, he's got a good heart yeah. and, and a lot of he's got, potential. He's got a good head on his shoulders. He's just not using it. <laughs> Let's go. So you two, um, dig up, dig up dinosaurs? <laughs> oh. Try to. That is one big pile of shit. That is one big pile of shit. Hold on to your butt. Clever girl. Hold on to your butt. That is one big pile of shit. Clever girl. Hold on to your butt. That is one big pile of shit. So you two, um, dig up, dig up dinosaurs? That is one big pile of shit. Hold on to your butt. Hold on to your butt. That's the new theme song. This is what I do with theme songs for the next few episodes. Dude. It's pretty sick, this right? This was for sure worth quitting drums over. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Movie Blues Podcast. Um, my lawyer is telling me I'm supposed to say the official podcast of the Movie Blues Rental Zone, but I'm, I'm not going to do that. Um, if you are tuning in for the first time, which maybe some of you are because I'm going to hit you with the everyone tag, I don't give a shit about your feelings, then Welcome. Dan, would you like to describe our podcast to a new listener in 30 to 46 seconds? Um, yeah, you know, it's just a tasteful deep dive into the, <laughs> the films that make up the great American canon. Uh-huh. You know. What is there to be said? Every now and then there are a few laughs, but for the most part, we keep it pretty above board. <laughs> Want to let everybody know up front, we both are Jewish, so... Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's important. That is important moving forward. Um, and uh, to fill people in on uh, a further... M part much unlike my fill-in guest last week. Yes. Uh, if anybody saw, or uh, listened to, rather, our episode from last week, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, we had our um, resident guest, uh, most guested on the podcast, uh, just by sheer process of him being the only person willing to drive to my house, um, Josh Boyer. And um, this is the first ever <laughs> episode not featuring me that I ever listened to. <laughs> Dan and I have like a very a delicate game that we've set up over the years in terms of our humor, what we're allowed to say, what we're not allowed to say. Um, we have 
a character that we essentially play on the podcast where maybe we hate each other a lot and say absolutely terrible things to each other. But at heart, uh, we're good people at heart, just like Chet Hanks. Um, and we um, try to avoid certain topics. Um, Josh, for his opening joke of his guesting session last episode, decided to breach all of those protocols immediately just talking shit and say the worst thing you could possibly say to another person sitting in my own chair whose uh, father unfortunately tragically passed when he was younger uh it was made the butt of a very cheap joke within 20 seconds (laughs) josh quickly josh complained about my uh my head size and my father dying (laughs) both of which are a problem josh notorious (laughs) member of the family values party so, um, yeah, I, I I understand that you may have some things you want to address with Josh up front. Um, this is in the spirit of uh, good fun, I would I would assume. But also keep in mind, Dan and Josh know each other. Yeah. From from I brought uh, Josh. I brought this upon myself by bringing Josh into this ecosphere. Yes. Yeah, so like all things, uh, it was a hell of our own making. But with that said, you don't come into my chair and talk shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. Um, uh, I'm, I'm going to call this uh, pseudo segment just, um, you know, it's a series of jokes at Josh Boyer's expense. <laughs> a roast, if you will. Mm. Um, I don't need any music. Maybe a laugh track. We'll see. Well, we still just, are going to review the movie Jurassic yeah, World. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll uh, get there. Skip- but just in the meantime, <laughs> let me access my inner Lisa Lampanelli. <laughs> skip uh, to... Uh, and that, that does mean all the jokes are going to be about Josh having sex with black men. <laughs> <laughs> My God. All right. I'm going to let you uh, go ahead here. All right. Josh Boyer needlessly making fun of my dad dying while simultaneously simping for Christianity is a choice. <laughs> One that we met with ferocity and vengeance, reminiscent of the God found in the fake book he unironically reads each night in bed. <laughs> <laughs> Josh began the podcast making fun of how big my head is. The irony, of course is that my head is the correct size for his body. (laughs) He is the little-headed, big-body man. (laughs) Okay. I really enjoyed listening to Boyer maniacally chuckle in self-satisfaction at his own trans jokes like J.K. Rowling if the J stood for Joker. (laughs) Josh's biggest critique of Ant-Man was that they made a woman character smart. Josh Boyer. That is, yeah, that's, that's pretty accurate. <laughs> Josh Boyer, whose weight fluctuates as much as his overwrought gun collection, oh. unironically wears bow ties and floral lapels to the office, where he torments his coworkers with tirades about the Second Amendment and lectures on the finer points of high fashion. A thumb-shaped Jordan Peterson, but not cool <laughs> enough to take Xanax. Look, this is what happens when we try to diversify the podcast. This is why nobody wants to be on this podcast. Josh, you dress like a figure skater. <laughs> we should call you Brian Goitano. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I got another one. Brian Goitano. I got another one. All right, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Brian go Proud Boitano. <laughs> go off, King. Josh Boyer spent two years lecturing me about libertarianism until the exact moment he got fired and submitted for unemployment, at which point he immediately hit me up to discuss the merits of socialism. That's it. That's the joke. <laughs> Makes sense that Josh would be into the MCU given his pensions for car- his pensions for cartoon books and fictional hero worship. <laughs> as much as it probably hurts to be associated with a yellow character, Josh is des- definitely the Wasp. 
Despite sleeping with an AR-15, Josh is somehow whiter, softer, and more feminine than the 120-pound actress who played Kate on Lost. New Josh nickname, Evangelical Lily. <laughs> this is the best segment you've ever done. It's ironic that Josh is on the episode about a notoriously wingless MCU hero given that he comes from white flight. <laughs> Did I get spit? Not going to spit out my Seagrams. <laughs> it's not happening today. Josh divides his free time between church and cigar lounges, where he cosplays as the whiskey-drinking, traditional values-driven male that both settings demand, right before going home and asking his wife permission to hide the framed copy of his women's shoe design degree before his friends come over to watch Seventh Heaven. <laughs> that one was twisted. <laughs> Speaking of which, this joke is... Seventh Heaven, good show, though. Th this joke is for nobody but me. Okay. In college, Josh thought he was going to be the next George O'Keefe. Now he thinks he's the next James O'Keefe. <laughs> James O'Keefe is uh, the founder of the Project Veritas. <laughs> Who's also a theater weirdo. Josh and Shambles right now. It's going to get worse. This is this was supposed to be a family, uh, family-centric episode. Interesting that Josh claims to be a devout, devout Christian, a religion that ships marriage as an institution of patriarchal submission, yet needs pre-screening and approval from his wife before he's allowed to podcast. Thank the almighty, the one true, correct Old Testament God that Dan Lyons was gracious enough so, to so heavily edit the last episode, sparing Josh's family from the true deviant nature of his personality, <laughs> though it might horrify them equally that he was allowed to have his voice censored by a Jew. <laughs> I mean, cut this whole segment, but I'm loving this. Josh, <laughs> do not come for me. You do not have the platform nor the comedic acuity to be throwing bows from the safety of Dan's basement without me present. It has not gone unnoticed that you hinged your entire podcast appearance on roasting a Jewish man minding his own business and ragging on someone unable to defend themselves as your entire religion, religion is predicated on both. Oh my God. You have broken the 10th commandment, green with envy that I am allowed to play Hogwarts Legacy unencumbered by notions of sin. And if cleanliness is god godliness, you are as filthy and foul as your rental, rental zone hot takes, sir. Yes, my father died, but at least at one point he was real. Um, this is my domain, <laughs> and my right to crucify you shall not be infringed. Now bow before your Jewish king and humble yourself as your world crumbles like the walls of Jerusalem. I am the Babylonians, and you are metrosexual Jer Jeremiah. Enjoy your missionary work and your missionary sex, you tuxedoed Elmer Fudd, you. Oh my god. I feel like a new man after listening to that. That was um <clears throat> that was definitely uh shots fired on all sides. Uh for anyone who liked this segment, um next season on our sequel season uh gimmick, I'm going to put Moonraker featuring Josh Boyer on the board. I don't know if we're gonna <laughs> land on it. Hopefully we do so we can do this face to face because while I did, you know, get my my jollies out of what Josh had to say and much more so what you just had to say. I will say that it is unfair to launch such tirades at each other without the other person in the room, <laughs> though he did start it. So I think, uh, yeah, uh, next season we're going to get him back here to yeah. um, defend himself. Josh, looking forward to your pre-written freestyle raps. <laughs> what little there is left of him will be <laughs> joining us next season after this absolute demolishing. <laughs> made me feel a little sick to listen to. Dude, Brian Goitano. Anyway, Josh, thanks for coming over to podcast with me. <laughs> I, hope, I hope it was worth it. 
now having looked back on it. Um, <laughs> okay, um, back to um, thank you, Dan. I appreciated that. That was good. So um, let's uh, now we talk about another thing Josh doesn't believe in: dinosaurs. Dinosaurs, right? <laughs> now moving on to something my mom thinks is a myth: dinosaurs. <laughs> We have learned more in the past decade from genetics than a century of digging up bones. A whole new frontier has opened up. We have our first genetically modified hybrid. We just went and made a new dinosaur? Probably not a good idea. Almost 40 feet high. Really think she climbed out? Depends. On what? What kind of dinosaur they cooked up in that lab? Evacuate the island. She's a highly intelligent animal. She will kill anything that moves. A quick tee up for this one, um, since there are some of you who seem to be like going through our catalog and listening to older episodes. Um, Book of Henry was always one of the biggest episodes on this podcast. Um, and it is because of that over the course of the podcast, I've brought up the movie that we're going to do today several times, Jurassic World. Um, Jurassic World has the same director, cinematographer, screenwriter editor and composer as the book of henry which is just same I, composer in, huh? in yeah michael giacchino did he both. did book of henry yeah he did i didn't know it at the time either i don't know if we had talked about that on the book of henry episode Dude, what a fucking land for him yeah i know right yeah. he's really been to every corner of the uh the good spectrum really diversifying his portfolio truly speed racer book of henry he's like yeah i mean he's kind of like musical god of this podcast <laughs> uh currently um but yeah, Italian. Um, uh, Italian. It's re- he's a quadruple threat. Yeah. I don't know how many were in there. I felt like four. Um, Did he score Little Italy? <laughs> I would not be shocked. Do I own Little Italy? I don't know if you can own Little Italy no, physically. No one owns Little Italy besides Mussolini <laughs> and Justin Trudeau. Because um, it's in Canada. Yeah. I, gotcha, I, gotcha. Um, I shouldn't have explained that. Um, <laughs> cut that. Cut that. Um, so, uh, yeah, for many years, we've joked about doing Jurassic World. After we did Godzilla, King of the Monsters, it became very apparent to me what movies Dan could accept and not accept <laughs> on this podcast. But uh, as you may also know, this season we're doing, and maybe the rest of the podcast forever, minus like special projects and seasons, we will be doing I Pick a Movie, He Picks a Movie. Really like how that feels. Um this was an antagonistic choice on my part. I will be honest about that. But the reason that I jumped it in front of the line, uh, if you may have listened to the last episode. Yeah, it's worth it. noting that we constantly are not constantly doing the changing. movie that Dan says on the podcast we're going to do. But that's also season one vibes. Because at the end of season one episodes, we would always be like, next month on the Movie Blues podcast. And we never did anything that we would tee up on that either. Yeah. Um, so we should probably stop doing that. But since we're close to the end of the season, I think I know... 
and can lock two choices today. What do you think, Dan? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, me too. Okay, good. Um, so uh, what really kicked this off is that uh, there was a discussion going on in the rental zone about uh, Jurassic Park and someone, or about hot takes in general. And someone said Jurassic Park and all of its sequels are terrible, including the first movie, Jurassic Park. Yeah. And Dan either liked or agreed with that, and I immediately jumped in like a psychopath and was like, Dan, do you really think that Jurassic Park 1993 is terrible? And you kind of like wound it back a little bit. You were like, I don't think it's terrible, but it's not really my thing. Um, yeah, I was like, it's obviously groundbreaking and the practical effects are great, but like I, that type of movie does nothing for me. It's just boring to me. It's very hokey. Mm-hmm. I like so, I like the lo- <laughs> I like the Lost World more probably than Jurassic Park. Yeah, that's an interesting take. I, I think they both have a lot of merit. A, a Jurassic Park is, and I don't terribly mind three. They're just all kind of nothing movies to me. Sure. Okay. Um, understandable. Not everybody had a. Uh, I also didn't see it as a kid. That's a problem, too. Not everybody had as intimate of a relationship with dinosaurs as I did, especially not Josh, who doesn't believe in them. Dan fucked them. Well, I would have, but they didn't (laughs) exist. And you can't fuck an iguana. Um, Not with that attitude. (laughs) um, Dinosaurs. Quick discussion on dinosaurs. Um, (laughs) (laughs) To lead into an hour. For real, they happened. Yeah, to lead into an hour-long discussion on dinosaurs. Um... Dinosaurs lived um, 65 million years ago, and and more. No matter and less. <laughs> no matter how. But for sure they lived. They did. We know. Well, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter how long exactly. I just want to make that clear. This is a pro dinosaurs podcast. <laughs> we are pro life when it comes to dinosaurs. Um. So. Um. Yeah. For me, di- dinosaurs represented a bunch of things that I've always loved. Um. One being like the unknown. Another being the fact that I hate all human beings and would have preferred a version of the earth to be in like nature harmony and just was a bunch of lizards and giant bugs. Yeah. I think that's probably when earth was at its best. I was a big brontosaurus guy as a kid. (laughs) (laughs) That throat goat. Is that that what they called you in uh, college? (laughs) Brontosaurus. That throat goat. Nice. It's more of a brachiosaurus, if I'm being honest. (sighs) Anyway, um, <laughs> um, uh, so uh, for me, Jurassic Park, that was my Star Wars. Um, there are so many things about Jurassic Park that are a 10 out of 10, most notably of which obviously are the special effects, things like that, but also the sound of Jurassic Park. Um, not only had people never seen a visual representation of a dinosaur, but they'd never heard it. Those sounds have become deeply iconic in my brain um, in terms of what I would assume an animal of that size could sound like. The people who worked on that movie on every single department in every single facet nailed it. Just 10 out of 10. And it also connects us to um, to the Disclosure episode because both books were written by Michael Crichton. Right. Michael Crichton. Big yeah. looming influence over at least the first Jurassic Park movie. And Jurassic I say, and Disclosure. What a one-two punch yeah. of artistic works. It literally killed him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, the best that I can hope for from a Jurassic Park sequel, and what I felt like in 2014 before uh, Colin Trevorrow, our lord and savior, dropped this turd nugget into the world, was that yes I would assume that there would be CGI dinosaurs that would look cool and eat people 
that is fine, but what brought me to Jurassic Park as a kid, besides the novel itself, was just the scientific ideas being played with behind it, and the fact that you could point at it and say, un unlike a lot of other big blockbusters, you could point at the original Jurassic Park and say, that movie had something to say. Like, I, there are ideas and quotes from that movie that linger on um, that aren't just like... That is one big pile of shit. But are like, life will find a way, and things that are like, scientific and Michael Crichton-ish and presented an idea. I would argue that no other Jurassic Park movies, especially two and three, have anything to say, have anything that you could look back on it and say, this was a different approach, this was a different idea, whether it worked or not, notwithstanding, but for me, um, my interest in this movie was always that it had interesting things to say that I thought were very funny and self-deprecating while also being pitched kind of as a movie made by like a person trying to be a child or trying to imitate what it would be like to be a kid in a realized theme park of dinosaurs. For those reasons, clearly Jurassic World, I feel like, is like a grown adult smashing action figures together for most of its runtime. But in and around many of its um, set pieces and moments, there are things that I think are are definitely very interesting and fun to talk about and play around with. Um, but before we get there, um, let's all hear about how much Dan Eden hated this movie. 10 out of 10, Jurassic World. <laughs> Um, I'd like to have a heart attack and die if you were going to take that position. <laughs> <no>. <laughs> you know, I went into it trying really hard to like sure. not come out being like uh, nothing movie. Mm -hmm. I, I felt nothing. Right. But like, you know, you felt nothing. The CGI was bad. It at points is not very good. It's like, you know, if there's one thing I want from a Jurassic Park movie... I'm not sure if watching the last third of the movie on your cell phone was really going to aid that CGI, but... It was like 20 minutes I watched on my cell phone. <laughs> on my TV I watched in 3D, the I downloaded great. a 4K copy nice. and watched most of it that way with Sweet. amazing Atmos headphones. Mm -hmm. um, if there's one thing I want from a Jurassic Park movie, it's like very brutal and practical kills. Oh yeah, that was not this and movie. And this movie had one of the more brutal kills that just looked like absolute shit because it was like a fucking PS2 game. We will get there. That is my favorite kill in the entire series, the babysitter. Yeah, it was, a, it was an amazing kill. Uh, incredible I wish kill. it didn't look like absolute shit. All the flying birds look terrible. Here's what I can say about what what you're commenting on with Jurassic World, which is having rewatched it now, especially in light of the third one having just come out, which I think has really well-refined CGI for the dinosaurs, this first one looks a little bit shitty um i'm gonna i'm gonna split that into two reasons one of which is i really do think that the presentation of this movie was supposed to be in 3d and that at the time that was a huge pitch that they were going for with making a ton of money on this movie which they did yeah and that explains why there's so many front shots with just fucking vehicles driving at the screen right and i watched it on my 3d tv down here in the studio and it looked fucking awesome but that doesn't there are tons of movies like on that top shelf over there that are 3d movies that if i put them on any other format they would look like a ps2 game yeah um so that that is an unfortunate effect That's of a the time of that time yeah for sure um but i think because of its ideas and its angle uh it should be kind of appreciated more in fact i would say that this movie 
is part of like a holy trinity of like almost amazing reboot ideas from this period of time. Batman Begins is another one that I think was like, oh shit, you kind of put a new spin on something that we hadn't seen before. Really love that. I would say that was the number one. Number Batman two Begins was well be- before this though. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, like seven or eight years before this, yeah. but it kicked that truly kicked off a period of let's take all these franchises dormant from the nineties yeah. and put a hundred, $200 million back into them. Um, the second one that they were really... like, who's the next Nolan, right? That, that Colin, Trevor Colin Trevorrow. Yeah. <laughs> Shows promise. Book of Henry. Yeah. <laughs> um, and oh yeah. By the way, and I don't know if we've made this clear or not. Like, you don't even have to listen to the episode Book of Henry, though. I really do suggest it. But please just watch the movie Book of Henry. Um, it's insane. From the same director. Um, this guy also made a great time travel movie with Aubrey Plaza that got him his career. Safety not guaranteed. Good movie. I like that movie. Um, I would say arguably the only good movie he's ever made. Yeah, and then, only good one I've seen. Yeah. Everything after that has been in really the book, In the Book of Henry episode, you told me that he made that. And I was like, really? Yeah. And then Colin Trevorrow uh, was hired to do Star Wars Episode Nine. Um and fired after Book of Henry came out. Um, so this is, in a way, we are finishing a, a loop of, like, shit movies yeah. that needed to be discussed in a, in a circle. From Naomi Watts playing Xbox to Chris Pratt playing a Southerner. <laughs> Speaking of Chris Pratt, interesting. His accent is insane. Interesting side moment for this, though. I don't know if you knew this or not, but Chris Pratt put Chris a Pratt's video Star out, of Moneyball. Star of Moneyball. Put out a video... When he was in Parks and Recreation. Now, this is uh, so long ago. This was before Jurassic World was even written, an idea in anyone's mind, probably five years before it was produced. This is a video that Chris Pratt put up as like a video diary uh, during the production of Parks and Recreation. Hi, my name's Chris Pratt, and I'll be shooting footage behind the scenes for Parks and Recreation. Man, I just got a text message from Steven Spielberg. God, it's so annoying. Sorry, Steven. I was asked by Parks and Recreation slash NBC to do behind the scenes. Which is to say, everyone else was asked and said no. But I have no shame, as you know by the endless gift baskets. I'll have to get back to you later about Jurassic Park 4. Boom. That motherfucker predicted. Wow. Having And this was like Fat Pratt. Dude, shoot your shot, King. He did. He did, though. Yeah. And literally, Steven Spielberg contacted him like four <laughs> years later and was like, do you want to be in Jurassic Park? Which is um, an incredible, uh, incredible one-two punch for Chris Pratt, who at the time, this movie and Guardians of the Galaxy came out. And I'll have you know that everyone at the time and Moneyball Hell yeah. We're like, this man is the next, like, Harrison Ford. Like, this dude is the guy, and his journey from success to oversaturation, oversaturation 
was like a zero to 200 oh, roller yeah. coaster. If in 2010 like, you told me that the fucking fat dude from Pac- Parts, Parks and Rec would be an action star, right. I would have been like, of what? <laughs> <laughs> Movies? Um, like so yeah, this was, this was a hot moment for Pratt and also a hot moment for Bryce Dallas Howard. Who mm. I don't want to <laughs> let Dan's noise that he just made <laughs> inform exactly how I feel about Bryce Dallas Howard in this movie. My lord. <laughs> lord of mercy, Dan. Yeah. Dan's shaking his head like somebody just put a pie in front of him. Just, <laughs> just a... Just a attractive lady just a good-looking lady in this movie and um, and all movies she's all the time she I think she is quite good in this um in the third and final yeah, it was nice of them to include one quality actor in this yeah film. yes and and what I was about to say is in the third movie which is the other one that I like also directed by Colin Trevorrow which got it I'm not sure you would survive that movie, honestly, but um, Bryce Dallas Howard really takes the forefront of the series, and Chris Pratt is kind of like the dumb idiot in the background by then. Um, so, like, go off, Queen. Good. She got a franchise. Let's and go. now directs Star Wars episodes for The Mandalorian. Does she? Yeah, she has multiple, and some of the Book of Boba Fett she directed as well, I think. All right. She's a director now, just like her dad, but with hair. All right. Um, <laughs> she um is dressed like John Hammond in this movie, <laughs> which uh, is an interesting choice. But still, like, uh, it, it caused it caused like a lo- like low grade PP confusion for me because I was like, <laughs> she's being styled after an old British man, but she's also making those heels work. You know what I mean? Yeah. PP she... confusion, as in like you were confused that. <laughs> performing <laughs> pp confusion is when like um, like you went double well no my like when my pp sees her and is like yay but then, and then like, you see the f and you're like yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's like andre andre's like i didn't like it until i realized she was dressed like an 85 year old man yeah and then i picture and pictured it with fucking anime porn <laughs> Um, well, so what did this movie have to say? I mean, the, the classic movie, like, let's say, for example, right? What Spoiler did you give, alert, dinosaurs get loose. What did you um, give King of the Monsters? Uh, 6.5. We both gave it a 6.5. <sighs> Would you say that this movie had more to intellectually parse upon and laugh about than that movie no you thought that that was better than this yes <laughs> oh my god i hate that movie so much that was like one of the most toxic movies i've ever seen so this we're gonna yeah, get, but, we're gonna yeah, get into the, a real chat we saw here it then. in 40x and the third act was epic right this none of it was epic none of it was epic interesting <laughs> um dude i can't there's no suspension of disbelief when it's Chris Pratt sort of talking as a southerner. I can't. He's like, I I taught the dinosaurs everything they know. And now I point my hands at him. I, I put my hand out. And I'm like, Blue, listen to me. Who does he kind of sound like? He's like, he's like Ashley Schaefer from Ashley Schaefer BMW. Yeah, yeah. He's like, I... A young. Totally, totally. <laughs> I should say for BMW. Whew. My son came in yeah. 
And I was heaving yeah, over he his sound, mother. He sounds like a Georgian plantation owner. <laughs> he does sound like Ashley Schaefer. <laughs> My plums. It's just like, dude. Like, like, how many times? He do, is bad in this. He's do we have to learn that the dinosaurs are going to get out and kill people? Right. Like, what happens for two more movies? <laughs> well, here's the thing. A lot, actually. <laughs> Whether you like it or not. But a lot, actually. Um, uh, the dinosaurs get out into the world. I mean, the park is only the first movie. Oh my god! The dinosaurs getting out into the world is the progression of the second. So it, it's like the, the damn Planet of the Apes trilogy. It kind of is a little bit like the Planet of the Apes, but movies, bad, but not as good for sure. Um, Those movies rock. Some of them. I only saw the first two, but they rocked. Oh, you're talking about the James Franco, like the newer ish yeah. ones. Oh yeah, the third one was great too. Was it? Well, we're gonna get to the antagonists of the third one, Woody Harrelson, in next week's episode. Definitely, Hell yeah. Definitely an American fucking legend that I have to discuss for many, many As hours. is his father. Um, did you... <laughs> did you enjoy anything about Jurassic World? The score. Michael Giacchino, once again. I mean, my man, it was, it my, was my, uh, it was my um, virgin voyage on my new headphones, mm -hmm. and the sound effects sounded fucking amazing. Hmm. Like, I definitely would have really just like had zero zero goodness with this movie like i was i was like this movie has absolutely nothing for me but watching it through those headphones i was like all right the sound mixing is cool as shit nice 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 it was like the sound and bryce dallas howard and the buck stops there A and that kill of the babysitter was hilarious well i'm sorry it's, but it's just like it's it's also not like I hated it. I didn't visually hate it. I was just bored. I don't love this movie. Is kind of like the it was better. Than, I I liked it more than I thought I would. Despite the Verizon Wireless presents Indominus Rex that is directly hanging over your head right now and has been for the past several years of this podcast. Um, I don't love this movie, but I let me at least tee up a few things about it that I think are worth discussing, and you can tell me that they did nothing for you. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. <laughs> um, firstly, I like the choice of giving it divorced parent energy. Yeah, um, I, I seen it, dude, immediately. I was like, there it is. Amblin logo on the front of this movie, Spielberg behind. A lot of the decisions in this movie, including such details as the gyrosphere ride, like that glass bubble, yeah. the Mosasaurus enclosure, which emphasis on Moses. One of my favorite, one of my favorite elements of uh, Jurassic World is that Mosasaurus enclosure, which apparently Steven Spielberg and Trevorrow were in the room with each other, and Spielberg was like, "How about a swimming dinosaur in like a huge enclosure like Shamu at SeaWorld? And then Colin Trevorrow, who's like just a dumb brain version of the same kind of uh, director, is just like. Yeah, but how about after it jumps in the air and eats a shark, it the 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 audience sinks uh, beneath the enclosure so they see it underwater eating its dinner. Yeah, that was cool. And that was like an idea they came up with together, as well as people were upset at the time. Or I like that. I like had, that. Had nitpicked at the time. That was still in the in the first act. The first yeah. act, I was like, what this is setting up where it's like... First act is great. Where it's like Disney World for Jurassic Park. Yes. I was like, I am feeling this. Me too. That That is the strongest, not to bury the lead, element for me. 
that puts it above some of the sequel ideas that they'd come up with in two and three is just the idea of the park fulfilled. Like the idea that was teed up in the first movie coming to fruition with higher technology, yeah. higher scope, and the idea more money. Of the conflict between like the government wanting to use it as weaponry, like that, sure. that all that all tracked with me. I was feeling really, really good about the setup and then Chris Pratt revealed himself and I was like, come on. Chris Pratt ruins pretty much the heart he's of the movie. He's just a terrible actor. <laughs> he's not he's not great in this. And like um, him being super serious is ridiculous. What is interesting? He's a fucking clown. What's interesting about it uh for me is yeah, the the park being fulfilled. In fact, like the first time you hear the Jurassic Park theme that you hear in the first film when you see the Brachiosaurus like standing up in the trees and Alan Grant like falls to his knees and shit and blows it and um <laughs> <laughs> in more ways than one. And um, that theme is instead used in this movie when a kid throws open his balcony and you see the Mosasaurus enclosure and the entirety of Jurassic Park. And it's like a pyramid shaped welcome center with like glass all over it. Yeah. And, and the camera goes flying into the air. And like at that point, when I was watching it on this rewatch, I was like, this shit is pretty legit. Like I, I'm enjoying what's going on. Here. Yeah. Um, I was like, oh, cool. This is teeing up. A movie I'm gonna enjoy. Yeah, I was excited, it, it, and then it it's first really act. took a nose nose dive. Well, it does what every Jurassic Park movie go and do, which is end up with dinosaurs fighting each other. Yeah, but they look like shit. They don't look great at times, <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like, dude, family drama, children. Well, they're trying to exploit the resources that Steven Spielberg has exploited many times in his career. Yeah. From E.T. and beyond. Which Ain't is Divorce using, Crazy. <laughs> which is using Ain't Divorce Crazy as the catalyst for all of these issues that he explores. Um, and, you know, someone like J.J. Abrams or Colin Trevorrow, essentially hacks, are going to imitate their um, overlords in a way that is hollow and kind of superficial. Like, the two kids... Good idea, Judy Greer and her divorcing husband, good dynamic. But then you kind of, like, look at it a little bit closer, and you're like, wow, these two kids are truly fucking annoying, though. Like, there's no <laughs> good dialogue for these kids. Yeah, like, it's their fault they got divorced. The second, the older brother's energy is just that he wants to just beat off all over <laughs> Jurassic World on every single girl. And, like, it, I don't care how much they set up the meta idea that kids are through with, like, wonder and spectacle. Um you're not like cruising Tinder the first time you see a T-Rex eat a sheep in, yeah, in right, reality. Right. And he's like literally swiping right while this is happening right yeah. in his face. It's like a little on the nose. And then as the movie devolves into action. I know, stock, which is surprising because Colin Trevorrow is so known for his subtlety. Right. Exactly. <laughs> his character work from Book of Henry yeah. suggests a truly silent touch of an auteur. Yeah. You know what I Naomi mean? Watts like looks at the camera and is like, we should murder police today. Right, audience? <laughs> And her dead son is like, yes. Yeah, through headphones. <laughs> Again, don't watch this movie. Watch Book of Henry. Yeah, for sure watch Book of Henry. If this is just... Beyond this, this to this see Hank from Breaking Dead get what he deserves again. If you want to see a movie where Naomi Watts plays Xbox, you've got it. Yeah, Colin it, it's Trevorrow. out there waiting for you. It's not this. Ripe for the picking. Stop with this. Yeah. Um, and if you want to listen to a different episode of the podcast, stop this. <laughs> listen to Book of Henry. I mean, come back around to this and finish it. Dan is truly unhinged in that episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, all right. Here's what I like about this movie. Let me just get through it. Okay. Then we'll be done. You'll give it a zero and we'll move on. Great. Um, 
uh, in many ways, Jurassic World is about the new generation of kids being jaded towards the power of, like, wonder in general, which I think is a funny idea. Like, introducing a concept in which corporations need to fight to sponsor new attractions at Jurassic World because kids get so bored so quickly with what's on display there is, like, such a dystopian outlook and so cynical. And also, like, for me... I don't want to compare it to this because I think Matrix Resurrections is such a good movie that I I don't want to even put these two next to each other. Listen to that episode if you need us to explain why we think that. But this movie, and it's again in its first half, does so many meta things that I appreciate so much that aren't in any other Jurassic Park movie are such like a a clearly wild and cynical energy that was not needed in a series about <laughs> dinosaurs fighting each other. And I really think that what ended up happening here and why like the dinosaurs don't look particularly great and why like the action and Chris Pratt kind of are the worst elements of the movie is because like everything else in it is like idea based, which is not usually the way a Jurassic Park movie operates. And like there's a lot of commentary about the kids and like their outlook on the park and there's, there's just no real comedic relief in the way that I no like not from yeah, a no. jurassic park movie mm-hmm. well there is in the in the sense of its meta-ness like right. when bryce dallas howard looks down the barrel of the camera and says verizon wireless presents indominus rex it's a moment where i laugh but a child isn't laughing so who is this movie exactly for i don't know but like um a lot of it is about the like the corporatization monetization and greedy exploitation of the brand that is jurassic Park. yeah it was really cool of them to do all this social commentary while making a movie just full of so many evil ethnic people (laughs) i mean there's the one african guy that helps chris pratt dude every person (laughs) with an accent is evil as fuck in this movie it is wild the evilest person though is vincent d'onofrio who is the the clear white alpha of the film i mean as he would be vincent d'onofrio let's just like pause the whole podcast like put pull the break what a legend well a what a legend but b his energy in this movie so blessed yeah i don't know who said to him like i need you to walk around like yosemite sam like (laughs) like like you have eight guns holstered on your hip and like he has a very unpurposed tan going on in this movie. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know if this was like Trump commentary of some kind at the time, like very light riffing. He was very tan. And his angle was we are going to take very incomplete processes of training dinosaurs to like follow a stick and instantly transfer that into like finding terrorists in Kandahar. Yeah. You know what I mean? This like, movie was a prequel to the cell. <laughs> It's like, you could send six raptors into a bunker, smoke out a terrorist. Yeah. I, he's like a J.W. Pepper. He was. <laughs> um, I literally only have one note for this movie. It just says, and there's the divorce plot. <laughs> um, oh, and I have a quote. See what kind of dinosaurs they cooked up in that lab. I, I guess that he has one line Chris Pratt where he's like I guess that depends on what kind of dinosaur you cooked up in that lab yeah. uh, 10 out of 10 dude this movie is bad <laughs> <laughs> it's just fucking boring as shit um, another character I love in this movie is Simon Mizrani 
uh, crazed Indian man who owns the park and flies his own private helicopter around. Yeah. <laughs> Even though his flight instructor uh, is made sick by <laughs> how poorly he flies the helicopter and eventually uh, it is his undoing. And yeah. he ends Big up Leonard dying. Skinner energy. <laughs> Big, big hubris energy. Um, <laughs> he just basically spends the whole movie just telling everybody that he can fly a helicopter. And it really you know, makes you long for the era when, like, famous artists were just constantly dying in helicopter crashes. Right. Kobe. Shout out. <laughs> I know, Kobe was really bringing it back, dude. <laughs> um, Retro is in. There are uh, moments in this movie that make me really laugh. Uh, Vincent D'Onofrio... At one point is describing his evil plan with the Raptors and says, promote only loyal bloodlines. Struggle breeds greatness. It's such like insidious dialogue for yeah. a movie about I dinosaurs. Did, I did enjoy the like real on the nose harping on like everything's about the Raptors because that's all anyone cared about from Jurassic Park is fucking Raptors. Dan, extinct animals have no rights. <laughs> yeah, so true. Um, and then there's mo- uh, like moments in this movie for me of like utter joy like kids playing with dinosaurs in a, in a petting zoo there's even a little bald cancer kid hugging a little dinosaur yeah <laughs> like, I can only imagine like the imperatus behind I'm waiting for the fucking post dystopian Jurassic Park movie where like there's scenes like that and then casually the the dinosaur just like eats the kid and everyone cheers <laughs> the dinosaur just says the n-word <laughs> more um, they just like they need to make these movies with practical effects yeah. this movie looks like there was not a single set piece in the entire thing besides a fucking jeep the third movie they did the most practical effects practical effects of any of the Jurassic Park movies and it, it, it didn't go much better let me tell you mm. <laughs> then it was just like a bunch of rubber dinosaurs they don't make them like they used to Dan uh, Jimmy Fallon everyone <laughs> what about him he's in the um, gyrosphere oh ride. yeah he's, <laughs> yeah he's like doing shtick on the screen notorious alcoholic Jimmy, Jimmy Fallon, Fallon. Yeah. Um, and that's like the kind of humor that I enjoyed about this movie that again is not found in any other Jurassic Park movie, which is just, like, just bizarre, like, weird little kid energy going on that, for some reason, still gives me some layer of joy um, in and among scenes of, like, a kid being on the hunt for pussy at Jurassic World, <laughs> which is <laughs> yeah, just, which you again, heavily relate to. Yeah, again, very strange. If uh, Jurassic World was real, that's for sure where you would hunt. <laughs> There's a, uh, a throwaway line. Do you... Does the... Audience know what a throwaway line is, Dan? I'm sure. Throwaway line, if my wife is listening to this episode, is um, like kind of when you cut into a scene and characters are already doing something. Uh, this is one example of it. And you hear like a line that is out of one of their conversations and then it shifts to another. Um, but, you know, it gives a, a sense of naturalistic authenticity to the moment, whatever. But there's a throwaway line in this movie where the kids are in the gyrosphere they got back to it and the little kid who is like worried that they have broken out of the enclosure and that they're wandering too far and again this is like i'm speaking as somebody that's seen this movie 25 times it's insane they're going to shave our heads and we're going to have to make root beer in the toilet <laughs> it's what he's saying to his brother yeah uh, my next note was fuck them kids 
Yeah, there's a lot of fucked up kids energy in this movie. <laughs> or actually, not enough. Um, I do also like the scenes in this movie where, and this does lead to the babysitter kill, where uh, the birds get out of like the, the avian enclosure and you see like thousands of like pastel wearing vacationing extras just running yeah. in every direction. You see the actual Jimmy Buffett grabbing two margaritas from the Margaritaville so ridiculous. in Jurassic World, running with them from a Toronto. Like, like as if, again, I will point as to if you. Jimmy Buffett works at any Margaritaville makes this. <laughs> they were not implying that. And, <laughs> and, um, which again, I think makes this way more, interesting of an experience just things like this than something like godzilla which is just uh, just garbage i mean that the cgi was so good in it it was uh, yeah it was but that was years later well better to watch i hear i hear you i hear you king you're you're not wrong (laughs) that third act was fucking epic dude they were that those seats were ready to throw me out of my shoes um all right well there's uh, definitely an aspect to godzilla where it was like you know it was my first 40x experience Right, and we had the moment where it looks into the fucking water cavern from above, and the seats tilted down, and I was like, "Whoa!" <laughs> that was so it's cool. fucking raining in the movie. Well, theater. dude, I mean, that was the first time we experienced that. <laughs> yeah, it's never as good as your first. Um, so true. Um, Bryce Dallas Howard and Judy Greer are sisters in this movie, which is funny because they're also sisters in The Village. Oh my god. I don't know if you remember that, but they played sisters twice. Vaguely. Kind of bizarre. Um All right. Well, um this didn't go well. Not not even for me. I, I didn't even enjoy watching this <laughs> this time. Yeah, the fact that you own so many versions of this is nuts. What do you mean? It's like I just own one version, 3D. Jurassic Park Ultimate Collection. That's not this is not in that. Oh. That's right. just the original movies. All right. Touche. Your face. I do own many versions of Jurassic Park 93, but that that is a movie in a league that is nowhere in the universe of this movie, unfortunately. Yeah, for sure. Um, trivia. Okay. If, if I will. Which I will. Yeah, you will, for um, sure. No one's going to stop you. Popular fan theory has it that <laughs> no one's going to stop you. <laughs> so true. You know, you're right. Um... Uh, pop. Who am I doing this for? A popular fan theory has it that Owen Grady, Chris Pratt, is the grown-up version of the boy that Dr. Grant intimidated with a raptor claw at the dig site in the first movie. Do you remember that scene? Yes. Um, Owen's understanding of pack hunting behavior then could be explained by the warning that Grant gives in Jurassic Park. Owen says that to work with raptors, he has to show them respect, something Grant also warned about. The original actor... So this is the original actor of like the little pudgy yeah, kid yeah, yeah. that Alan Grant threatened. Um, the original actor beat up Chris Pratt as kid. <laughs> <laughs> the, the original actor was molested by Chris Pratt's pastor. Um, wow. Is that your phone, Dan? No. I feel like that's a hard guess. <laughs> that's your phone. Was that my phone, yeah, which is on head. airplane mode? I mean, my phone's also on airplane Somebody mode. Somebody got through? And on silent. I don't have alerts. Oh my god, was that my computer? I don't know. My phone's perpetually on silent. Cut that, cut that. Yeah. Cut that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, they asked the original actor, Whit Hertford, who dismissed the idea saying, quote, guys like me don't grow up to look like Chris Pratt. Well, uh, yeah, you do. So they like dug Chris, back. Chris Pratt was fat. 
this guy this guy is unfortunate looking Dan I saw, <laughs> I saw recently this guy, that guy is a better actor than Chris Pratt I probably bet. is yeah um, interesting side fact this marks the first Jurassic movie for Michael Giacchino one of his first jobs as a composer was to make the music for the PlayStation 1 game The Lost World Jurassic Park wow which I don't know if anyone's played that game is notoriously impossibly hard I'm still trying to beat that game on the emulator that I have of it Beyond that, one of his themes from that game is used in this movie, which I think is a cool double dipping. Fact. Double dipping. Saving loot. <laughs> Italian. Italian economics right there, baby. Because <laughs> he's Michael Giacchino. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. The product placement in this movie was not at the behest of the studio. Well, it was rather the idea of writer and director Colin Trevorrow as a way to satirize the corporatization of popular entertainment. Oh, no. That's a lie. <laughs> I <laughs> Feels hate like that. a lie. Yeah. <laughs> but it was a point of the entire movie that they did well, go into many Yeah, times. and Xbox didn't pay for fucking Book of Henry either. Um. <laughs> Just like Amazon didn't pay for fucking Sonic the Hedgehog. Um, Remember that shit when there was a whole scene? Of just them browsing Amazon and explaining how Amazon works really fast. <laughs> that was that was incredible. <laughs> That's true art. Sonic. Wait, what did I give Sonic the Hedgehog? Because that was. Go look it up. Looking. Where's the section of episodes with terrible guests? Season two. Seven. <laughs> I gave it a seven. You gave it a seven. Um, That's not true. This movie was shot mostly on thirty-five millimeter. They filmed a lot of the big exteriors That's wild. on sixty-five millimeter in Hawaii. They used one of the 65mm cameras used for Stanley Kubrick's 2001 Space Odyssey. Bro. <laughs> um, <laughs> Worth it. Interesting fact. They could have shot it on digital and spent some money on CGI. I don't know if I said this already. I don't think I did, but... Um, like, of all the movies that, like, don't call for being shot on film, this is very high on that list. <laughs> I've watched in 4K and gained nothing. <laughs> Um, director Colin Trevorrow asked about the logistics of feeding the Mosasaurus great white sharks. So PETA was coming for him, basically. Given that those sharks are endangered, his response was that he actually considered that and reasoned that logically if InGen was able to clone in extinct dinosaurs back to life, they're also capable of cloning endangered animals as food for the dinosaurs in the park. That seems fair. That does. That's well thought out. Yeah. Good job, sir. Yeah. Um, That's an outdoor right there. Dan complained a lot about Chris Pratt, but he was not the first choice considered for the role of Owen. Damn, even, even after that video he made? Um, <laughs> uh, Army Hammer. Oh, no. Oh, this, that would have, dude, that would have brought this up so many levels. It would have been better for the podcast, yeah. I'll give you that. Um, oh, my God. I would have loved that. Army Hammer, Glenn Howerton. I could see that. I guess so. That would have been uncomfortable. Yeah. It would have made all the scenes with Claire much creepier. I'll, I'll tell you that much. Uh, I would have loved that. Henry Cavill. Mm -hmm. Jason Sudeikis. Okay, so Chris <laughs> Pratt was like 10th in line. These are just like everybody this who's is in the like running. This is just like bland white men. Right. Josh Brolin. That's Jason that's like... Sudeikis, huh? John Krasinski. Ugh. And my personal They're favorite. They were really scraping the NBC sitcom barrel for this one. My personal favorite. Jason Statham. All right, I would have watched that. Jason fucking John Krasinski. Fucking John Krasinski's a fucking CIA plant, dude. 
Dude, no. Yes, he is. That fucking Jack Ryan show or whatever the fuck he's in. Oh, uh, I won't watch that. That's, that's some fucking me. CIA propaganda that I want nothing to do with. <laughs> this is the first movie in the franchise that does not have a scene that takes place during a torrential downpour. <laughs> yeah, because they couldn't afford the rain. <laughs> they spent all the money on film stock. Um, yeah, they spent all the money digging up Stanley Kubrick's corpse. Um, Dan, score for... 2015's Jurassic World. Five. Okay. Yeah. It's a nothing movie. It's a nothing movie. Quote. Yeah. It is a nothing movie. The first act was strong, so I can't, like, completely destroy it. I'm going to go with a 7.5. Oh, my God, For this one. All right. Let's go to the list. Let's go to the list, shall we? 7.5. Yeah. All right. With Jurassic Park being a 10, okay. The Lost World being like a 9 or an, an 8.75, I would say Lost World if I had to. With Jurassic Park 3 being a probably 7. This was better than that. Okay, so you enjoyed this movie about the same amount as both The Hunt and The Faculty. The Hunt, I don't even remember watching. Uh, honestly, it was that w- was not a movie that I would ever watch again. I, I don't remember a single thing from it. I watched The twice. Faculty. I don't know why. What did I give The Faculty? 7.75. 7.75. And, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, this is below that. I like that more. But let me tell you something, Dan, and anyone listening to this. The Faculty is a great movie. It's hilarious. We loved it. At least I loved it when I was younger. It's not a fucking good movie. Yeah, but it's Robert Rodriguez. It's got terrible special effects in it, and a lot of it stinks. So this uh, this is a morally rating on the scale of Jurassic Park movies, because that's the way I have to think of it in my lizard okay. brain. So you like this movie more than Lawnmower Man, but less than Fletch. Yeah, sure. Okay, more but than Fletch is being judged as a comedy. You like this movie more than Disclosure. Yeah, Disclosure is a bad movie, but we had fun with it. But it's a bad movie and is considered as such. Okay. This movie got good reviews and was a huge success. All right, all right. Uh, I'm, I'm in that camp. I just don't think it was that great. I think it's like uh, above some of the worst elements of the sequels, but it deserves recognition. You like this movie the same as Robert Pattinson's The Batman? That is a score I have revised. Is it? Yeah, because if you listen to that episode, which you said you have only ever listened to one ever episode uh, without yourself. Yeah. So that means you haven't listened to that, but I haven't, I did not like that movie in theaters. I went and rewatched it and up my score to like almost a 10. Okay. <laughs> I had a bad theater watch for that movie for a variety of reasons and was suffering from some medical issues at the time. All right. All right. All right. Then <laughs> if you're... I'm being honest. All right. Um, and this track, give me the list. No, you're good. No, no, no. Give me the list. The thing in your hands. Oh, you, you lost. The yeah. I don't copy. know where my copy is. That's pretty good. That was good. That was good. I'm coming. I'm coming. I'm coming. Baby. <clears throat> All right. Dan Enden. Yeah. Who gave this movie a five? Mm-hmm. <sighs> Let's see. Let's see. What do we got here? What do we got here? Obviously, Godzilla King of the Monsters being a 6.5, I think, is egregious compared to this because I think this is so much better than that. No, that was way better than this. Um, that movie is like, I can't even believe I gave that a six and a half. That's, in retrospect, insane. Um, Dan, you gave, um, at least you, yeah, okay, Pet Cemetery less. That's good. 
What did I give that? A three. Yeah, that was the worst. Yeah, that was terrible, wasn't it? <laughs> Just awful. People, people keep trying to sling that on 4K around. I'm like, why would I watch that on any format? You thought that this is just an out of interest. You thought that it chapter two is worse than this. What would I give that a four? I really didn't like it. Chapter two. I feel like they were probably about no. I, I would probably watch this again before I watch it. Chapter two. I really didn't like it. Chapter two. Um, it, chapter two had like one great scene and then it was just so boring. You gave spiral a point more than this. I like spiral a lot more than this. Honestly. Wow. I gave Spiral, Spiral a 6.9. It was hilarious. Um, you gave this movie the same score that you gave Incident at Loch Ness. That seems fair. <laughs> that somehow makes a lot of sense. Uh, you once again rated Space Jam 2 <laughs> 2.1 full points higher than this out of 10. It's probably not that much, but I enjoyed Space Jam 2 more than this. Got it. That was on the scale of kids' movies. You gave The Fanatic, starring oh, yeah. John Travolta, a higher score than this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'd watch that again way more, a bunch of times before I watch this again. At least you gave Malignant a higher score than this. Yeah, I liked Malignant way more than this. Um, You gave Crash a lower score than this. No. No, that needs to be revised. <laughs> I ended up... And, and, and I knew I, you were going to say that. And I revised that in the following episode. I got you. Okay, all right, all right. Um... Crimes of the Future, you gave a lower score. Yes. I hated that. All right, so good. We, I think we both are pretty good on consistency for the day. Yeah. Um, I didn't hate any of this. I just found it boring. When that's the case, I always try to just give it a five. Right. I hate Chris Pratt. I do, too. He's a terrible actor. I wish I could delete him from this movie and watch a cut without it. I'd love to watch a cut with fucking Jason Statham. That sounds fucking awesome. Dan, any final thoughts? No. Are you excited for our episode next week on Indecent Proposal? Yeah. Fuck yeah, I am. Me too. Let's get there, eh? All right. Hold on to your butts. Hold on to your babies.